0: Welcome to the ABCs of Matrescence. We are two mamas, Emma and Mackenzie, and we both have toddler-age boys and newborn baby girls. Here at ABCs of Matrescence, we chat all things real motherhood from A to Z and everything in between. Matrescence is the process of becoming a mother, and that is what we dive into on each and every episode. So thanks so much for tuning in today, and welcome. If you recognize my voice, you know that I am Mackenzie and I am back on the mic today, bringing you part two of a really special interview I was able to do with my father. So if you're joining us today and you didn't check out part one, I would encourage you to pause, check that out, and then pop back to this episode so you can catch the second round of questions that I am going to be posing to my dad. But today's episode, just like the one that preceded it, is a special one. So instead of focusing exclusively on motherhood, I'm going to be presenting an interview that I had the opportunity to do with my father. They say that becoming a parent allows you to see your own parents in a whole new light. And in my case, that light shines and shimmers with the admiration that I have for my dad. So this is the same introduction I shared in part one, but I wanna share it again, just in case someone's jumping in and joining us new and they don't wanna go back. And also for our listeners who have heard part one, just to get a little refresher on who he is and why I chose to have my dad behind the mic today as well. So let's go ahead and imagine that a magic genie grants you the opportunity to interview one person, deceased or living, who would you choose? I'm sure folks like Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King Jr., Bill Gates, even Beyonce would top the list. No doubt they're fascinating figures with stories to tell. But my interview of choice, however, wouldn't be with someone famous or even particularly well-known. For me, the most interesting, and frankly mysterious, person whose mind I would love to explore is none other than my father. Scott Wesley Hopman was born on August 30, 1944 to Wesley and Eileen Hopman. His parents, Canadians by birth, had immigrated to the United States and settled in Seattle, Washington, where he was born. Little Scott was a pistol, the first of three children and by far the most precocious. My own son, Emerson, has so much of his pappy in him that I can empathize with what my poor grandmother, Eileen Hoppy went through in raising her son. Scott grew up in, the humble, in a humble home in Seattle's Greenwood and Ballard neighborhood. His father worked on the railroad and his mother was a nurse. He finished his secondary schooling and went on to achieve a bachelor's degree from the University of Washington where he also did postgraduate work. He was drafted during the Vietnam War where he served stateside with his brother, Wayne. To this day, my dad remains fiercely critical of many of our country's foreign policies, but he has never regretted serving alongside his brother. An an avid skier and restaurateur, my dad found peace, happiness, and fuel for his athletic passions living in the mountains of Idaho and Colorado. He opened and operated the most popular restaurant in Vail, Colorado during the 70s, where he began serving as a city councilman. During his first marriage, he adopted two children with his wife at the time, my brother, Patrick, and my sister, Heidi. Upon their divorce, Scott was a single father who juggled full-time fatherhood, running his restaurants, and serving the town of Vale. He met my mom while working on a special project to open a restaurant in Phoenix, Arizona in 1980, just shortly after his father passed away. My mom, Donna, hadn't expected to fall in love with a man who already had two children, just as my dad hadn't expected to spend his foreseeable (laughs) future in Arizona. They were married in 1982, and I was born in 1985. My sister, Alessandra, was born in 1989. Scott was a dedicated and involved father and a devoted and loving husband. All four of us grew up in a supportive and caring home. Our dad has worked as an architect, restaurateur, and entrepreneur throughout the entirety of our lives. He is a risk taker, but a man who always, always puts his family first. Our childhood, adolescence, and adulthood have been enriched immeasurably by our father and the pivotal role he has played in our character development. Today, I am 35 and my sister Alessandra is 32. Our older brother and sister are in their 40s, raising families of their own. We are all as close as ever with our dad. Scott Hopman is forever a beloved celebrity in our eyes. So today, I have the incredible opportunity to sit down with my father here for part two of our interview series where we get to dive into his past, his thoughts, his passions, and his yearnings. Scott Hopman is 77 years young as of this past August. Almost eight decades of life experience under his belt and enough strong opinions to make your head spin. It is with great pleasure and pride that I welcome once again my magic genie interviewee, Scott Wesley Hopman. Hi, Dad.
1: Hi, honey. (laughs) Again, thank you for the... Repeat of the wonderful introduction.
0: <laughs> yes, I did. I have to say it again. I have to share it again. Just on the off chance someone didn't hear part one, and we're like, ah, now I'll just hear part two. Well, I want you to hear. I want you to hear the story behind this. Behind this man, I'm okay. interviewing today.
1: Very my, kind of you,
0: my dad. <laughs> so we have some questions. We're going to jump in today in our second part. But before we, we we jump into the questions that we have set, I just have a fun off the cuff question for you. How do you take your coffee? Black. Always, 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 my whole life, right?
1: Always, 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 always.
0: Yeah, sometimes iced, though.
1: Yes, I think definitely iced. Cold brew? Cold brew.
0: Yep, yeah. hot, you like that. And you never do decaf.
1: Correct. <laughs>
0: I I've, think the day you ask for decaf coffee, I'm going to be worried.
1: It probably should be. I, <laughs> I, I'm very fortunate in that uh, uh, decaf. I mean, caffeine doesn't bother me. So I could have a cup of coffee at 11 o'clock at night and five minutes later, I'll be asleep.
0: I have so many memories of dinner with you where at the very end of the meal, the server comes by for dessert and you inevitably say no to that. Unless I say yes. And then you're like, oh, okay, I'll have a bite. Uh, But you always ask for for an espresso. That is correct. And then you go home and go to sleep. That is correct. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas mom and I would be up talking your ear off until three in the morning.
1: Exactly. And mom in particular, you know, she starts with decaf in the morning. (laughs) (laughs)
0: she does i i do not i start with decaf at about maybe 1 p.m that's true
1: and then uh with the intensity of this phase of your life with the two young children you definitely need the caffeine first thing in the morning to keep going i think so then you can start to phase it down as you get later in the day
0: i know some of us (laughs) some of us joke just in the season of intense season of motherhood it's kind of coffee takes you into wine (laughs) like a like a little like a little kind of waterfall that's
1: that's fair i just take caffeine just go head on into the wine
0: There you go. I love it. All right. So we're going to start chatting today a little bit about relationships, and we're going to talk about mom. So you have been extraordinarily happily married to mom for 40 years, and I'm not really sure if that's grammatically correct. Extraordinarily happily, but it's true, right? Because I could have said you've been happily married to mom, but it's extraordinarily happily.
1: That is absolutely true.
0: I mean, there's a lot of happiness there, so it needed another adjective.
1: Yeah, she's she's definitely my... uh... Uh, my uh, my swan.
0: Yeah, <laughs> she's your swan. So your marriage is forever going to be an inspiration to us as your children, and but truly to anyone who has the pleasure of interacting with the both of you. So we're all listening, all of us here. Tell us your secrets to nearly four decades of shared values, purpose, and adventures with mom.
1: Well, actually, I think the answer to your question, is in the question itself. Okay. That is that it is values, it is purpose, Mm -hmm. and it is adventures. And that really, in and of itself, defines my marriage.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: I can't ever even express enough how special your mother is. And you know that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, I think the relevance is that we always understood that we had to value and love each other. And we did this by always setting aside time to be together, just the two of us.
0: Hmm. If you've always uh, told me that.
1: Even at the most difficult of times, and, and kind of a fun example was you were I, maybe seven, Allie was five or four or something, and maybe a little bit older, and and we were trying to figure out how to to have a date night or do something, and so I, I said, uh, hey, let's take a, uh, a, a night class at the university. We'll audit a night class together. And so we, and at the time, uh, I think you kids were in the child care at the university, and so so we signed up uh, uh, out of the class, and it was every Wednesday night. And so we had a sitter that would come every Wednesday night. And that so uh, we would go down and we'd go to our class. Well, so we go to the first class, and uh, the, you know during the break we get out in the hallway and we look at each other and we're saying, but this is really interesting, honey. Are you enjoying it? Yeah, yeah. As well, are we about you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you want to go back in or do you want to go get a drink? <laughs> and so we look at each other. We go. Um, well, let's go back in. I mean, after all, we've signed up for this. The next week, the intermission came. We're out of here. So we ran down, had a sandwich or, or a little late night snack, and just talk, just for that hour. And so then, after that, we go the next week. We get to the front door, of the or the to the door of the classroom, and we look at each other. and Go, are we going in? Uh, are you hungry? I'm hungry. Do you want to? You want to have a glass of wine or something yeah we can go talk honey and off we would go <laughs> so we set ourselves up like that so it was you know there we were in the middle you know we had all four of you kids in the house at the same time but this was the one way that we do it we just set it aside but it gave us that hour or two where we really could just talk together mm-hmm. and our relationship set up I think the tone and the direction for the entire family because in order to keep the relationship healthy alive and fun you have to nurture it and uh, no matter how difficult the circumstances you need to listen and value each other's opinion and you need those quiet moments to have the conversations to discuss those opinions and work through the kinds of challenges and stuff that you're typically facing and your mother has been the center of our family she always has been sort of the rock and she is sort of where we look to at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. She's the one that's always kept me stable even in some of the most difficult of times. And uh, no matter what the ups and downs were, she was always right there, uh, certainly by my side and all of our sides. And mm-hmm. so um, my love for her is endless.
0: <laughs> yes, this is this is so true. I just, you know, watching you guys always, yeah, you always said you are prioritized date nights. Even, you know, going going on, on trips as a family, when I mean, you bring us kids, it was like there would always be that little moment, maybe we would be in ski school, and you and mom could, you know, do do a half day of skiing together, or, Correct. you know, you would say, you know, as we got a little older, all right, girls, you know, you just get ready to hang out in the room, mom and I will be downstairs, we're just going to have a cup of coffee or have a drink, and then we'll all go to dinner together, you know, you always manage to find those little, little bits of time, and you've always encouraged me to do that in, in my own marriage, and now Tree and I are coming upon five years of being married and you know a lot of those quiet moments we've had the two of us have been actually believe it or not a credit to you and mom because you're watching our kids (laughs) there you are (laughs) so maybe that's another moral to find someone to watch your kids
1: it's a it's a generational pass down
0: yeah yeah that's really it's really neat um so you know would you say thinking about about relationships and thinking about you know marriage or just partnership whatever for 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 me and for our listeners, that it really is important to prioritize time, the two of you, that you can limit essentially the noise, whether that's li- literally a screaming baby or figuratively just the busyness of your lives.
1: Yeah, uh, at the stage of the life, at this stage of your lives and most of your listeners' lives, you guys are intense. Everything is happening. Your careers are blossoming or uh, you're working through that side of it. Your families are just emerging, you're making a million decisions every day from what you have to do for your children, where they're gonna go to school, to are they studying, am I getting this done, am I getting that done? Your spouse is doing what he's doing, and it's so easy to get so caught up in that, that you you literally, almost really, you don't have the time. But that's when you have to find the time. Mm. You have to just say, that is an excuse that's unacceptable. So no matter what, there has to be those moments where you just say, well, I we have to prioritize ourselves. And I think the feeling that I always had was, if your mother and I did not have a real loving, warm marriage in front of my children, how can I ever expect them to move on and have that? So hmm. it was like, the thing that was going to keep everybody happy and together was based on us being happy and together because that's where it starts. Mm. So if you're happy and, 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 and together, then that creates a format or creates an environment that all the rest of it can nurture.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think too, you know, especially growing up, um, Alessandra and I always saw you guys as a united front. And I know obviously Heidi and Patrick did too. Oh, they were older. They were much older than us. But I just remember, you know, even from from a very young age, you know, with, with Alessandra, you know, we'd ask one parent, they'd say no. We'd ask the other parent, they'd also say no. And we were like, oh, shoot, man, <laughs> I guess they really are on the same team, right? So yeah. we always felt like we could come to both of you, you know, because we would get the same. Response. I mean, we have different relationships with each of you, of course, but
1: no, you're, you're you guys abso- were a
0: united front.
1: Yeah, and you're absolutely correct. You know, you did have special relationships with me, and you have special relationship with your mother. And um, yes, there's no question. Your mother and I definitely, you know, we're on the same page. And and when there was a question that one or one of us might have thought, well, what do you think? You know, we talked about it. So mm-hmm, we, we would mm-hmm. we would. We would say, well, why? Why are you feeling this, or why are you feeling this? And we talk about it, and we come up with, okay, this is how we feel about it, and that would then become where we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, thinking a little bit, we're taking a bit of a pivot to kind of a, <clears throat> a bigger world world question here, world and country questions. So, what would you say concerns you the most about the future of our country and our world?
1: Well, I think that question. Uh, could be an entire conversation itself. we could probably spend an hour in that conversation and you know your father could get on rants and 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 a tangent or and, two yeah, a tangent or two as well and so <laughs> I apologize uh, right up front about that but I think that uh it's it's the obvious at this moment in time. I think everybody feels the tugging and pulling and the separation and the animosity and the anger and the you know, we have all these things going on, and mm-hmm. it's happening. It literally, what's, what's amazing is it's happening at the most basic grassroot level in within a family itself, all the way to the nations. Mm-hmm. And so we're finding, you know, this sort of divisiveness that's going on. And I think, to me, I guess, at this moment, that is the greatest challenge. And there are things that are all contributing to that simultaneously. Um, uh, there's no question and uh, so I think if the greatest challenges that we're having right now is you know the fact that we have this everybody has an opinion about something and it starts right down with a mask or a, or a vaccine and it goes all the way up to climate change and and that kind of a deal mm-hmm. and it's it's like one of those things where we are sitting here um, In a very very small world and it's all we have everyone and it's you know so it's like the challenges are you know how do you how do you start to create a quilt out of it that will work Mm. and um,
0: instead of just playing on all our own individual squares
1: exactly and not playing nice with others exactly so you know, I could take the conversation, and I could get real specific to different parts of the world and different this and different that, and even uh, within our own country, but I just think that the, the, the number one challenge right now is that we're in a very divisive phase. Um, and um,
0: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, we, we've certainly seen it, you know, with, with, even in our own friendship circles, in our own family circles, exactly. and, you know, exactly. I know that we're not unique.
1: No, you know, we're so not. We're seeing it we're all not, over. You're not unique at all. And every one of your listeners has a story. I'll guarantee you, every one of them has a story, mm-hmm. whether it's a classroom story or it's a neighbor story or it's a family story, of somewhere where something is sideways and 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 it's and it's affected them like it's affected us. Mm-hmm. You know, there are certain family members that I know that we uh, have feelings about and different views, different yeah. views and you got to be very careful about those. And one side, I don't understand how they could possibly have that view. And I'm sure they look at us and go, how could you be so naive to have your views? And and until we kind of minimize that, uh, I think in the back of my mind, I'm really uh, hoping, I mean, this pandemic has exacerbated what was sitting under the surface all along. And I'm just kind of really... Looking forward to seeing us somehow get over it, but even, even that's going to take several years.
0: That's true. Because at the at the time of recording this, obviously, what we're uh, we're a, over a year and a half now yes, into a, into are. a pandemic, and so it has. Yes, it, it's a, you know because I remember you even saying right when. Uh, the pandemic started and you were working on on your businesses and how, what you were doing to keep them afloat and all that. And I remember you saying that um, you were having conversations on the business level and some of them you said you felt like the pandemic had brought out the best in people and then you saw the ugliest of people it as well. Up,
1: it's a great, great statement. And
0: I feel like I personally experienced that. You yep. remember last summer? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously we saw Alessandra experience it with work. You yep. know, mom certainly experienced it on a much more personal level yep. with with I, friends and family, uh, and I, I think really
1: situations tough. like this, uh, um, trying situations, absolutely does. And I like that quote: "Is that it brings out the best of some, and it brings out the worst of others." Mm-hmm. And uh, that's it's sad, but it's it's very very true. And mm-hmm. so,
0: so your hope would be obviously thinking about now. Kind of what inspires you about the the country and the world, and what you know, I guess maybe your hopes for it. But then you know, do you see that as kind of a, a bigger picture? or Do you see that on as a picture on the other side of the pandemic? You know, looking towards a more, I guess the the po- the positive, right? You know, when when you look at the world and you see a lot of mess.
1: Well, it, your mother would confirm this. About the first day of lockdown, I looked at your mother and and I said the world is never going to be the same. And I don't know where that came from within me, but I did. And I actually wrote it down. And I said, the world will never be the same. And we're in the midst of that right now. But looking at it, I'm, I, I I want to be optimistic. The fact that you would say the world will never be the same does not mean that has to be negative. It doesn't mean that that means there's no hope. I, quite frankly, am very optimistic in the long run. I think there there will come a balance. I think there will become some common sense and a sense of normalcy. We may not may not have gone through the roughest phases of this yet, but I really am more optimistic. And you hit on a real key. That is, is that what's happened in this situation is it's gotten all the way down to the true grassroots level. When you look back at history, and you start to pick out things where, um, for example, World War II, the world was fundamentally at war. You had the war in Asia, you had the war in Europe. Uh, You know, we were fighting in Africa and everything else. Uh, So the world was in a real tumultuous stage. We got out of that, the next thing you know, we're in the 60s, we got a civil rights movement, we got all the kinds of other things. Uh, We've, we, the world, and the nation moved through those. Those were pretty big macro things. Mm-hmm. And today we got very, very deep. And so I think to me, uh, we have to be contemplative realizing that we need to start and hopefully that we will find normalcy and balance back all the way down to not only within the family structure, within the school systems, mm-hmm. within our little individual communities, within our cities out of those communities, mm-hmm. It's dates, nations, world, and and I, I'm optimistic that we're going to get there. I really am, and I think um, that as mothers of the world today, with young children, I, I think they're going to be okay. I think they're going to they're going to have a good life. Uh, you're going to go through some things, and it's going to be different. Um, And your children are going to be exposed to things that are certainly different than, for example, Grandpa, Mm -hmm, (laughs) you know, mm -hmm. my world. But I'm optimistic it's still going to be a good world and a very positive world, and it's going to find a new sense of balance. Mm -hmm. Uh, It'll be different but I think it's gonna be okay and I'm optimistic to that.
0: You've always said to me growing up whether it was a change in administration of, of the United States, you know, depending on which president was in office or whether it was something we were seeing, you always said that you feel like there's there's kind of a pendulum and it swings from one side to the other. And sometimes when it's on the upswing, we feel this tension, as I would say, we are certainly in one of those moments now. Yeah. But you've always kind of assured me that it's gonna swing again to the other side and there's gonna be those moments of peace too. and because you've lived through so many of them.
1: Well, yeah, and I have, and, and it's correct, because I always uh, uh, sort of define uh, democracy through time. And if you cut or slice that pie any time through that, that timeline, you would find that that pendulum could be over one side or the other side. Mm-hmm. I think where we're finding ourselves today is that pendulum has swung very, very hard one way, very, very hard the other way. And we have some hard outliers on the two sides, and that is really exacerbating the problem, but I think we still have a lot to be very optimistic, and, and I think, you know, some of the really good good thinkers, world thinkers, you you read what they write, and, you know, some will hit certain things really hard. George Will, uh, you know, a conservative writer, uh, I, I, I've read lots of stuff. He, you know, just recently did an interview and talked about parenting, and he talked about uh, democracy and and was like, do you think democracy will survive? And he said, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: he says, we're going to go through this. We're going to go through that. But he's he's very optimistic. And so, you know, the more readings I do and the more I learn uh, and what I've witnessed just in my own life, um, you know, we're, we're going to be okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. I do have to say, I think it demands a certain amount of open-mindedness and, you know, demands it not only from folks of your generation, but folks of mine. You know, I remember when you and I were at Aspen, the Aspen Institute in 2016, we both attended a workshop together that was all about gender identity. Right. And for, for me, that was something I'd had some exposure to, you know, in college and, and, and as, a, as a teacher. Um, and for you, certainly like culturally, but you had never, you know, I think... And I, honestly, myself, I, we had never like really taken a deep dive into into what does that mean for gender identity? I think we both just took it for granted that I identify as female, you identify as male. And same with sexual identity, too. And so you and I were were there at that. And I remember we sat through the whole workshop like an hour and a half, and there was a young man leading it who identified as, as homosexual, but he identified um, gender as male, sexuality is attracted to men. And he led the whole workshop, very well done. And I remember you and I both left that, and it just had given us such a different perspective, such a, a greater understanding. And I remember thinking to myself, because you and I were chatting about it over dinner that night, thinking if only everybody could be as open-minded as my dad. Because you didn't leave that workshop thinking, oh, that's different, or that's not the way I thought, or oh wait, so someone can be this gender physically and have this sexuality or have this identity or what. No, You were just like soaking it up like a sponge. Yeah. What What do you think has has allowed you to do that? You know, as opposed to being so, I guess, set in your ways. Like, what makes you truly want to absorb something that might feel almost awkward when you're first putting it on, I guess you could say?
1: I think, you know, maybe I was, uh, maybe it's my fundamental nature. But at the same time, I maybe had some, uh, along the way, I had... uh, some friends. I had one very close friend. In fact, for a number of years, in Colorado, he was gay, um, and and I loved him. I mean, he was he was just a terrific human being, and we had a. Uh, it was a very good friend, a friend of my family, uh, everything, and so I did. I didn't even think of him being. Gay, if that makes sense. You, you know, didn't think of
0: him as as other. He was just your friend.
1: He was just my friend, and you know. And so I, I've had uh, you know those kind of relationships, and I've always been um, uh, pretty forgiving to people that are different, uh, you know, physically different or whatever. I've had my moments, and I've said a few things occasionally where I wish you know, where did that come from? But all in all, I, I, I'm. Pretty comfortable with it I wish more and I think what you said was fair I think the older generation after you know needs to become more in touch with it because their first resistance is oh my gosh really oh my gosh do we really have to do that mm-hmm. they, they really have mm-hmm. to call themselves this and you know every day we hear a new term I think I just saw a new one yesterday that I didn't even know what was Start with that CIS, CIS something gender oh
0: yes yeah, cisgender. gender yes yeah.
1: genders and so you know I think the older you are, you kind of go, okay, 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 are there enough genders now? <laughs> you know, and you hear something else. But you have to be very tolerant. I think younger people are by nature more tolerant because mm-hmm. they are growing up in this. And so it's just, they just sort of are much more forgiving. True. And it was the same thing as, you know, you and I have had this conversation race identity. Um, I was raised at a time where. Urban areas and cities—they had neighborhoods, and you know I happened to grow up in a Scandinavian kind of a worker, you know, because of the fisher fishermen and the logging and all that. And then there was there was a Slavic neighborhood, there was the Black neighborhood, there was the Asian neighborhoods, and so so it was
0: all separate, like it that. was
1: separate. Most of high schools were like you know I could go down through the the high schools I went to, and I could tell you which high school was what, mm. um, and. Yet, interestingly enough, you and your sister were raised totally in a mixed culture. Oh,
0: very, yeah. From our neighborhoods, our schools, our our university. Lots
1: of, uh, just about everything you can name. You know, Hispanic, Asian, just all the way through the line. So you guys move into adulthood with a very much clearer thing than those, like my generation, Mm -hmm. that have to go back and go oh you know what I mean it, it's not because you weren't that wasn't part of your life so mm-hmm. you yeah.
0: I just think I think what I admire about it though is even that example you gave about the um, the the definition yesterday the cisgender I I guarantee I know what you did you clicked on the article and you read about it
1: yes I did and so
0: that's that's <laughs> that's the difference is that I think yeah. that like all of us whether whatever generation we come from we have to be willing to explore it a little bit more even if it is the one percent the two percent the three percent that matters that's right you know that's right so yeah yeah and it all all contributes
1: to the whole and i think that's all part of this healing process and i'm hoping that the young people of the world are bringing that in through their upbringing and a lot of this will settle as they start to become the future leaders of the world as they start to move in uh you know i had a I know you guys heard you know uh, me when I get on my rants, but like, <laughs> like, you know, one of them was like I'd watch uh, our our leadership, our, our 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 Congress and other people that would just would, just couldn't get a bill passed, for example, for gay, or they couldn't, or or we we, we shouldn't marry them, or we just not give them mm, benefits and the everything rights, else, et
0: cetera. Yeah,
1: and and I I know I. Said this many times. I said, "Well, all we have to do is just give it time because these old guys are just going to die off, and finally the young people <laughs> get up there and they'll get this problem solved." And and I and I laugh when when you know it's like it's like right now you know saying, "Well, we got to shut down the borders. We don't want all these foreigners in here." Well, all we have to do is just wait a little while, and all these old guys are going to die, and and the new world is going to be redefined anyway. So just I'm just hoping that that flow comes actually a little bit faster than slower. I know, slower.
0: <laughs> I know. And, and, and little do the old guys realize is that they are the descendants of immigrants. <laughs> How quickly uh, they forget. Uh, they but yeah, it's 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 been truly amazing, and that even just within our nuclear family, to watch they when... They forget
1: a lot.
0: Yeah, but just just to watch, you know, your your open-mindedness in action, like literally right in our household. I remember when, you know, Alessandra first shared with you and mom that she was, she was gay, and she started chatting about it, and you had... You, you know, I, I'm sure there was a time of adjustment for you, but there was nothing but love and support of her endlessly. And I've seen it; she's seen it. You know, and gosh, we we had to laugh the other day. Where, where is it? Mom, mom took a picture of you, and you were wearing your North Face Pride hat with yeah. your Pride shoes. And yeah. Yeah. you're the first person to to stand up for for her, to stand up for for other folks who identify similarly or identify differently. Totally, but
1: yeah, yeah.
0: it yeah. just I I just think it's. Um, it's something that certainly Tree and I try to bring into our household with my sister and his brother and just this, this teaching and this open-mindedness that, that I think uh, I've been very, very blessed to grow up with. Good. Yeah. So. I'm proud. Yeah. Well, we're, we're grateful. So where in the world do you feel the most truly you? And what makes you feel the most alive?
1: Well, it, it's, it's absolutely the mountains... The outdoors um, and nature. And so there, there's no question that um, there's a spiritual side of me that totally uh, connects to that. And I remember even in my athletic endeavors, I mean, I can remember, you know, on long runs through the forest and being a little bit tired or, or something else. And it was like, and this starts to get hokey. So I'll be hokey for a minute, but I, I would be running, and I I would just I would draw energy from what was around me. I mean, I I, I could draw energy from this environment. These plants were alive. These trees are alive. There's animals running out there, mm-hmm. and I'm by myself out here, five ten miles someplace on a on a on a trail, and I and I draw that spirit and that energy. So I think my most calming moment is that moment where i'm just right there and i've had the luxury of having in my life because of my climbing and, and the time i spend in some very you know primitive areas where i would sit and think has anybody ever even sat here and and it was like my spirit world mm. i was in the bosom of mother nature because i'm sitting in this this area the peaks are all around me and I'm sitting in this environment and it's just like that's my womb it's that's my and at that moment I, my heart rate must be about 10 I mean it just I'm You're just, just so in sync just so uh, I'm just fine yeah yeah so I would say that that's a, absolutely where I, I find myself and where my uh my greatest comfort level is uh yeah is, is being up in the mountains and and being around that, and yeah, I, I, and and it's like one of my one of my most favorite poems is uh, that you're never lost, uh, and it, it's amazing because it talks about being lost in the forest, and the poem basically says you're never lost because everything around you knows exactly where it's at.
0: <laughs> I like that. <laughs>
1: and so all you have to do is get in harmony with it because it's there and it'll speak to you mm-hmm. you know what I mean and, and I learned that as a younger man that you know because I obviously have always been a outdoors but I mean like I I get you, you drop me anywhere I'm going to be okay because I in a short while I once I calm down and realize I'm in a situation I just go okay well you know speak to me and I know that Water runs downhill, there's certain slopes, there's certain things I can tell by the side of a tree what's burning and not burning. And and so uh, it, it's, I, I, I love it for that reason, I think. and To get out there and it's like, like the poem says, it says that the forest knows where it's at, you just have to get in harmony with it. So I've spent a lifetime trying to get in harmony with that.
0: And this is how you were able to run 65 miles in 13 hours from Veiled Aspen. It
1: spoke to me the whole time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I would hope so, because 65 miles and no GPS, right? So to our listeners that didn't listen to part one, you got to hear about that. (laughs) That, He told you that crazy story there. Well, you definitely provided ample opportunities for us to get into the mountains and... I know we're all waiting with bated breath to get little Emerson on skis next year I, and have you uh, skiing with him. I
1: can't wait to see that little bugger between my legs.
0: I just, <laughs> like Allie and I learned. Yeah,
1: like Allie pizza, knew, pizza. Pizza, 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 yeah, pizza wedge, yeah, yeah, right, at yeah, the toes. Kind of scooting you guys along the snow and oh having the gosh. earth move under your feet.
0: Yep. Yep. Can't wait. So what would you say has been the most difficult thing about going through the aging process?
1: Well, I think, you know, in my particular case, it, it's a little bit more profound because um, uh, I was able to do so many athletic things all my life, and my body has always been really good to me all my life, and I was always able to do things at very, you know, pretty high levels. I mean, everything was more than okay. And so obviously, the, 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 the most troubling is is that I'm losing the physical ability to to do those things. Mm-hmm. And so that, to me, is the most difficult part, is that I just I can't do what I did. Um, my mind wants to, and my mind is there. But uh, when you're younger, it's funny, because when you're younger, your body is ahead of your mind. Mm-hmm. And when you're older, your mind is ahead of your body. Mm-hmm. And so you usually cross through that, at a fairly younger age. But like in my case, I would say that I started to cross... At the moment where probably my mind and body were in the most perfect harmony they were going to be in my life was probably in my mid-30s. Mm-hmm. And that was when my mind fully could capture that what the body was capable of giving it and what it could demand out of the body and the body would deliver. Mm-hmm. And the body started to trust the mind or was able to tell the mind, I don't trust you just because you want me to stop. I don't have to. Mm-hmm. So you had this sort of really interesting break point. And then as you change, well, obviously, the older you get, that physical falls off. The mind still is there. And so I think that more than anything, it's that.
0: I yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, it's interesting. The other day, our conversation we were having uh, where I told you, uh, you, you know, you, you said you wrote out all the places you've skied. And I told you, uh, I want you to actually type that up because I want to give that to Emerson one day right? and be able to have him almost enjoy like writing check marks next to the, you know, resorts really? we'll take him to. But, right. and of course it had me thinking, you know, about, you know, like you don't just reflect back on, oh yeah, I did this skiing thing this one time in this one hike, um, and yeah, and I did you know martial arts for a few years. For you, it's 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 pages and pages and pages of memories of athletic, yeah. associated memories.
1: Virtually every day of my life. Yeah. Virtually every day of my life, and and
0: still now there, I yeah, I can't I, think of a day when you're, pool, when, you're pool, when you're not swimming in the pool, when you're not going for a walk, when you're not riding yeah, the peloton. Yeah, yeah you know? but, it, but, but it's I, different.
1: Yeah, I know. But what I miss is, I'm not going to heli ski again. Um, you know, there. You
0: they're, won't sleep on the in a hammock on the side of uh, Half Dome in Yosemite. No,
1: no my, uh, although
0: I don't, I don't. Even if you could do that, I don't think Mom would let you, Dad.
1: No, in <laughs> fact, you girls, you guys, caught me because yeah. of my 60th birthday. I wanted to do a difficult climb on the uh, on one of the faces of the Matterhorn, and I was all set to to go over there to do this climb, and
0: um, and we said, uh, you,
1: yeah, every, uh, you, you you girls just. You know, brought it kind of to a halt, and, and it, it's kind of funny because, uh, I mean, obviously I could have been the classic male, say, you know, I'm gonna go do this thing, but anyway, yeah, so you yeah. girls, that was, you know, no more um, no more hanging from the side of a mountain down. <laughs> no you know. more, no. You've had your moment, and yeah.
0: Yeah, we wanted you to stay and safe. I think it was about
1: that time I was doing a real difficult climb in, on on uh, the, the face of uh, Mount Rainier, and I fell in a crevasse. And was stuck in a crevasse for a I while. I
0: see so. the ice crevasse stuck been, incident might. was uh, was the one that <laughs> kind of led us to, to, to tell you you could take pictures of the Matterhorn, okay, but you yeah, needed to yeah, stay off yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> And I did um, get a chance to go over there then a few years later. Yep, Mom and I did go over did. there. We did take pictures. Yeah, yeah, and we you did.
0: Go you visited over. me when I was abroad. That's fact. right. We
1: were visiting. You were studying over there in Lyon, and we got we went up to the uh, there's a train that takes you way up to a real high spot in a tunnel. Then mom and I hiked all the way down and around. It's a very famous uh, visual picture that is used all over the world. But it's the lake, the Matterhorn and the backdrop that reflects off of that lake. So we went way up above and then we hiked down. We hiked the lake and went down and went back down into the village. And so I got back to the village, and I said, "Well, I guess that defines my uh, my Matterhorn experience."
0: <laughs> hey, there are a lot of folks who would kill for that experience alone, right? <laughs>
1: so anyway, so it's probably a little bit of that, cutie.
0: Okay, and then um, thinking about you know you mentioned it already a little bit is the mind now is ahead of the right. body, so. In, in, in that in that realm in that positive um, you know the the growth of your mind right obviously that's that's positive right. so what has been you know the most exciting thing for you about growing in years and wisdom
1: wisdom I, I mean it really is cool <laughs> <laughs> it's cool it really is uh, I, I I think I thought about it and like I was sort of saying that there's this moment you know where you kind of um, go through, where your physical and your mental and everything all sort of comes together. And everybody's cycle is just slightly different. But the general rule, I think most athletes and and even brilliant people would sort of tell you. Yeah. And what's interesting is that I would love to have had today's wisdom then. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Almost maybe more than the physical today and not the wisdom. I see. So
0: but that's good to hear though because we are all going to be in your shoes. That is correct. So to know that what we're going towards is more wisdom and less physicality but that you're okay with it is comforting.
1: Yeah, because I think wisdom comes with time. Wisdom comes with experience. You have more time, you have more time to read, more time to learn, more time to absorb, more time to reflect because now the longer you you get you you look back, you have reflection. Okay, mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're young, you don't have any reflection. It's true. Okay, so like when you're 15, you, you honest, honestly don't think you'll ever become 16 in order to be able to drive a car. And yet, <laughs> <laughs> when you're 70, you go, oh, slow down, just slow down. Mm-hmm. And I think when I sort of think of time, um, why does time seem to go so slow when you're young? And why does it go so fast when you get older? I think it's reflection. Because uh, the number of cl- film clips that I go through the first 15 years versus the number of film clips I go through at 77 are very, very different.
0: I see what you're so saying. So what
1: happens when I think of a thought today, i got to go through this thing, and it goes so fast. It's like, whoa, slow down. You know, anyway, so. But I think the the, 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 the plus of getting old, the minus of getting older is obviously... Your physicalness can diminish, and the positive is, I think that the wisdom can grow. Unfortunately, there are some who, there's illnesses or two that can take some of that away, but if you're blessed and you don't have an illness that'll take that away, I think it's it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, there's not a day goes by, I don't read, I don't look at, I don't try to learn something, mm-hmm. and I find myself doing things I never did in the past. I'm reading something, I don't know something, I'm going to Wikipedia, and in the past, you know, I would have just kept going or something, but... So anyway, yeah, yeah, wisdom.
0: It's funny because um, I feel like they apply that a little bit to parenting, right? Like all of us have been, you know, all the, I'm sure all the moms listening to this either during a pregnancy or, you know, whether they're going through a pregnancy or going through an adoption or whatnot. You know, when you first have the child... And you have those hard moments. Like right now, I'm not right. sure if Eileen is on the soundtrack of this recording. But if she is, uh, <laughs> Eileen is a beautiful, beautiful baby who is extremely colicky. <laughs> so you're hearing her upstairs with Mammy right now. but and she loves to communicate loudly. Yeah, she does. She's a talker. <laughs> um, but, you know, you think those moments can feel like forever. Right. But I know that when she's five and I'm braiding her hair, it's going to feel like a blink that she was a colicky baby. That the first three and a half months thus far have been have been the real deal. They've been they have, super tough. They have been. But you know, even Emerson, right? I, I think back to you know he wasn't wasn't this tough, but he, you know he was he was he had a baby. His moments. Yeah, he has moments, and it, those don't cross my mind as much, right? Because yeah. now he's just so toddler. So those are their yeah. own struggles yeah. in and of themselves, but. Yeah, you you do that a lot, I think, as, as a mom. And then when we're interacting with somebody older and they say, oh, these are the best days of your life. And you're sitting there and you're, your shirt is covered in spit up, your laundry isn't done, <laughs> your, your kiddo is like having a fit on the floor and you just changed a poopy diaper. You're not thinking to yourself, these are the best days of my life. But I know that in you know, 10, 12 years when they're older and dressing themselves and feeding themselves and going away to camp for the weekend, I'm going to be like, I miss them. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> and you will.
0: So... All right, Dad. So just a couple more questions to okay. finish off our time together today. So you may be 77, but we all know you have a lot of years ahead of you. In any case, your grandchildren won't have it any other way. So uh, we're not we're not ready yet. <laughs> so you you you've got a you've got a lot of time. We talked about Emerson going to medical right, school. Right, so right, that, right. That, let's see that gets him through college. It's it's a few years, Dad. There we're looking is. at about 20. So what's on your agenda right now? What what stones are you hoping to overturn as you look forward?
1: Well. Number one, and I, I'm going to steal a line uh, that I just absolutely love. Clint Eastwood was making a film, and there was a country western song that was written into the film, and and it basically had about uh, a few words in there which uh, Clint Eastwood made a comment about, and later become kind of thing. And when I read about it, I fell in love with them, which is "Keep the old man out," and. There was even a picture of the country western song of the guy looking out the window kind of trying to close an older gentleman trying to close the shutter like keep that old man out in other words don't let the old man in and so i i that that's kind of where i'm at and it was just the other day in fact i was at a shop and i just bought another sign to hang in my office and it says act older later
0: <laughs> mm, i like it so keep so keep you mean so keep the keep the quote unquote Old man, so all the things that can be stereotypically of an old, yeah, stereotypical yeah. Uh, of an old uh, man, keep that out. Try to keep
1: the old guy out, and that and that, <laughs> that bugger. I mean, he's alive and well, and he makes appearances. And I, unfortunately, he even oh, he, does he? Yeah, you know he does. <laughs> Mommy does too sometimes, but anyway, I, I'm trying. I really am. <laughs> so I still look forward to new adventures and experiences, and certainly a number of those with your mother and. And, uh, so that really important to me as I look forward, one of the things I really, really want to do is, um, I want to go back to New Zealand, Australia. Um, I want to go to celebrate your mother and I will be married 40 years. It's pretty cool. And, uh, we haven't obviously been back since we went and spent a month down there heli-skiing, helicopter skiing.
0: Yeah, that was in 2005 or six, Six, something like that. Yeah. Maybe six, seven. Yeah. So it's been a long time. Been a long time, yeah.
1: And so I really want to plan that trip and that we will do uh, probably the spring of 23 or something. So I still have that out there and I really look very, very much forward to that. And then the other, just kind of to finish off the question, is that you've heard me say I hate the word retirement. I, er, the word retirement scares me to death because I think if you embrace that word, you're sort of, I feel my mind is telling my body it's okay to start to shut down. Mm-hmm. In other words, I'm retiring. It's okay to get slow. It's okay to let go. And so I, I won't use the word just simply because I, in me it has that kind of connotation. And what I really want to do is just be able to continue to do exactly what I'm doing right now, which is sort of that balance of um, um in my business. I still have a strong company. I still have a good position in my company. I don't have to work day to day. I don't have to deal with the day to day problems. Um, but I get to be involved in the critical decisions. So I still work with attorneys. I work with landlords. I work with bankers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. those kinds of issues. And in between, I have lots of time off. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I get to participate in the company. I look at the financials. I get to stay intellectually active and, and still be able to pop in and out Uh, with uh, the people in our Mm -hmm. company because we have quite a few employees and yet at the same time I have a lot of freedom so I'm very blessed in that regard but I want to continue to be able to do that as I move forward so that's certainly in my horizon Mm, that's cool yeah
0: yeah and we've watched you throughout the years really prioritize um your employees you yes. know, always watch, even in, I remember the, the pandemic a few different times, you're able to organize, you know, food, and I don't know how you came up with it in a pandemic, but you came up with bonuses, you came up with ways to support them and their families, and, you know, Alessandra and I have always seen that, you know, well, just we, the way that you we, take care we of those who that, work for you.
1: That, you know, we we were profitable, we had good profits, but we, we decided we would sacrifice our share, and we did. We gave it back. We gave it back to them early on. We got them... All big hundred-some dollar gift baskets. and then later at the end of that first year, it had been a tough year, so we gave every single employee a full week's pay, you know, mm-hmm. which was a pretty good number. But that was, we just we were mm-hmm. they got they were the ones that went there every day, they were the ones that got us to the end, mm-hmm. and it's like, so bless them. And so, I think between all of those things we just talked about, and the grandchildren and you kids. That's gonna keep me young. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, these last few weeks you've been chasing my little Emerson around and he'll he'll keep you on your toes. He does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think the the thing I really pulled from what you just shared there, Dad, and you've done this my whole life, is you've always kept a trip or an adventure on the horizon.
1: Always. Yes, and I think that, I that
0: that's something that, you know, I even find myself right now in this in this stretch of motherhood, right, where the days feel really long and the things feel very small. I remind myself, like, you know, there there are things on the horizon. I mean, we already have a really nice special trip. We planned, it's 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 small, it's humble, it's to Maine, but it'll be next spring or rather early yep. summer to celebrate Tree's graduation with you, Mom, Alessandra, um, you know, Tree's whole family. It's going to be so special. And it's like I find myself sometimes grabbing onto that. I'm like, this is going to be really unique. That's exactly You know, right. and I, yeah. I help
1: Always have those in front of you, and yeah. I would encourage all of your listeners to do the same. Mm-hmm. Put it out there and... Even if you have to change or modify it, but have it out there. Have have that 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 something special out there, mm-hmm. you know. To look forward to to look forward to. Not, yeah. not just those things like I look forward to a new car, but something that that, that does something for you, your spirits and your family mm-hmm. spirits and your children. I mean, yeah, put things out there.
0: Yeah, that that actually nourish you. Yes, nourish yeah. you.
1: That's a great word.
0: So Final question for today. This has just been so much fun. Um, When I can no longer come to you on a daily basis for each and every concern I'm having, big or small, because you know that right now I come to you on a daily basis for each and every concern I'm having, big or small, what do you want me to remember about the endless lessons you have taught me throughout the years?
1: Okay. Well, (laughs) number one, remember that the answers to your questions are in you. And believe in yourself and your inner strength. I mean, that's first. And my hope is that what you've learned from me over the years will continue to inspire you personally and your family growth. You're a great daughter, (laughs) now a mother and a wife. Fear nothing, move forward always. Never give up and remember Zen.
0: Zen, you have said that my whole life. I love you. (laughs) I love you do that. The Zen. Take a deep breath, Mackenzie. How many times have I heard that?
1: (laughs) A lot. So that's the biggest, boldest word that I'm gonna share with you. Remember Zen and uh
0: remember zen yeah
1: all of you and i'm sure all those mothers and everybody else out there need a little that that calm in their lives as well so take a deep breath take a deep breath
0: yeah (laughs) well gosh thank you dad i love you thank you it
1: was a real treat thank you
0: for (laughs) it was really it was a treat for for me it was a treat for for our listeners i hope so it's gonna be a treat for our families too i can't wait to share it with everybody thank you So we appreciate your time, your wisdom, and your willingness to invite us all into your life. And as I said on our first um, part of this interview, I said we're forever better because of the footprint that you've left on our hearts. And I really hope that our listeners enjoyed this small slice of who you are, because it's a gift to share our beloved Father with those who will undoubtedly benefit from your unique perspective and experiences. I love you. you. I love you, honey. Love (laughs) you. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in today to part two of a really unique interview that I was able to do with my father, Scott Wesley. And we just thank you all for for checking it out. Emma and I look forward to being back in action a little bit with everybody moving forward this fall into the winter as well. As I've said before, we've had our hands quite full with our new baby (laughs) girls, to say the least, but... uh, but we have some, we have some content that we look forward to sharing with you all moving forward. As always, you can find us on social, Instagram, at ABCs of Matrescence, and right here on our podcast. Thank you for tuning in and we will chat with you all soon. Bye-bye.